Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. She's a fashion blogger, model, and entrepreneur. She's amazing. The latest tips on fashion, beauty, wellness, travel, and her lifestyle. And now, here's the founder and creator of Not Basic Blonde, Olasha. Hi loves, welcome back to another episode of Not Basic Blonde podcast. And in this episode, we'll be having real sex talk with an expert and we'll be receiving amazing advice and answer to so many questions from Dr. Emily Morse, who is sex therapist, author, and media personality. She's also host of very famous podcast, Sex with Emily. So in this episode, Dr. Emily Morse and I will be discussing so many important topics. Go to tips on how to love your body, the sexiest thing you can wear, how mental health and sex connected, what are the most common insecurities among men, for those who are struggling to connect right now, what's the best advice, is masturbation considered cheating when you have a partner, how money plays a role between couples, and so much more. But before we dive in, don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Hi, Emily. How are you? Welcome to Not Basic Blonde Podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, thank you for being my guest. Good to be here. Yeah, we would love to know more about you. So would you please tell us about yourself and what you do? Yes, my name is Emily Morse. I'm a doctor of human sexuality. I'm a sex educator. And my mission is to get people to prioritize their pleasure and liberate the conversation around sex. Set it free. So I have a podcast called Sex with Emily, a platform, a podcast I started 15 years ago. It gives people education. I answer a lot of questions and I just help people get comfortable with their bodies and talking about sex. That's what I do. That's amazing. And how did you decide to become sex therapist? You know, it was, there was a few things going on. First, I I didn't have a lot of, I didn't have sex education growing up at all. I knew nothing about sex. And then I started having sex and I realized, oh, I, I, I just, I feel like everyone was having better sex than I was. So I kept always asking questions. I've always been very, very curious. So it started with a lot of curiosity about sex, asking everybody questions about it. And then I was also a little envious because all my friends kept saying they were having the best sex of their life. And I was like, is that true? And so... 
I started a podcast and I started interviewing people about their sex life and their relationship. And I realized that most people didn't have the information that I thought and we're all in this together. So that's how I started. It was like my second career, but it really, when I did the first podcast, I interviewed people for like five hours and I'm like, this is what I want to do. This is going to change people's lives. Wow. That's wonderful. Did you find any challenges of becoming a sex therapist? Because it's like special and it's very unique kind of niche. Yes, so. a lot. I mean, I have to say that 15 years ago, there wasn't the only person I could think about that had ever done this was Dr. Ruth. And everyone said, oh, you're like Dr. Ruth. And I said, yeah, I guess. I mean, there was nobody else doing it. People were not as you know, well, there's still, it's funny because some things have changed, some things haven't. So it was really, there was a few things that were hard. First off, talking about something, you know, it was sort of purposeful to have a show called Sex with Emily because I feel like every time someone says the word sex, they have to say the word sex. So sex with Emily, and then that will make it a little bit more comfortable. So it's sort of achieving my mission as well as, you know, just getting people to, yeah, feel comfortable with sex. And also, you know, I was also starting a podcast 15 years ago and trying to make a business out of it. That was also a challenge. So what I, I didn't realize, looking back now, I think, wow, talking about such a taboo subject and doing podcasting when no one really knew what a podcast was, was a challenge. And then, you know, it's not like my parents were like, oh, I hope she grows up and becomes a sex therapist. You know, <laughs> it's not easy for parents to talk about it. So there's definitely been challenges along the way, but all of them have been worth it. Nice. What are your go-to tips on how to love your body? My very first tip is to learn to love the, is, is, is through exploration. And that would be masturbation. There should be no shame in our masturbation game. So a lot of us don't love the way our body looks. And then as a result of that, we don't, we're not able to really enjoy sex with a partner. And it really starts with becoming friends with our body and learning how to touch it and what feels good. And if you have any shame around sex, or maybe you grew up, in a culture where it wasn't encouraged, you know, working through whatever your roadblocks are to experiencing pleasure and then learning your own body and what feels good to you. And I think that once you realize that our body, especially as women, we have so much capacity for pleasure. And so once you learn to kind of unpack that and feel comfortable, I think that's a first step to learning to love your body. That's a big one, being comfortable with your own sexuality. I agree. And especially now there are so many body positivity movements and everyone is like very concentrated on it. So you have to love yourself no matter what size, shape or form are you. <laughs> I think it's a really good movement. I'm really happy to see the body, the, the movement of, of, yeah, whatever shape you are, like love the body you're in. And, and even I say, even if it's not body love, sometimes I, I like to talk about body neutrality, even being neutral, just don't hate your body. Because if you hate your body and you hate yourself, it's going to be a lot harder for people to, to, to love you the way you want to be loved. So it's a good step. Good for us. I agree. Life. What, in your opinion, is the sexiest thing you can wear? Uh, I know, I mean, mostly like, you know, confidence is like the sexiest thing you can wear. <laughs> it is, but I'm not even going to say that. But it is. I love that you said that because it's true. When you're confident, that is sexy. But I think if you're talking about like lingerie or what, I mean, honestly, it's really what you feel the most confident in. Like, where do you feel the sexiest? What do you wear out? Like, I love skirts, okay? So when I go out, for me, it's really easy to wear a skirt. I like wearing a skirt with like a slit. I also like wearing off the shoulder tops. So what I found is rather than just going to buy some cookie cutter lingerie, I'll like incorporate that into the bedroom because I know that's what I feel comfortable in. So maybe I'll wear a big shirt that comes off the shoulder or I'll wear 
you know, something that I feel good in that I'll try on first and I'll walk around in it. And, and it's really just finding what you already feel good in and then making that work for you in a sexy way. And then that goes back to confidence because if you're feeling comfortable in it, that's going to be the sexiest thing in the world because you got to be comfortable. I mean, we've all tried the lingerie where there's like too many straps and buttons and things, things to put on. And it's like, okay, I look sexy, but I can't move or, you know, but, but to really inhabit your sexiness and wear something that feels good, I think is the, is, is where you start finding those. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. Yeah. Because sometimes some lingerie, you can't even, like you said, you can't even move in it. So how can you feel sexy in it? Right. Right. They don't work under clothes. So then you're like, oh, excuse me. I have to go to the bedroom and change. And then you got to put something on. It just, it's not, it doesn't work for modern women. <laughs> a lot of it doesn't. Yeah. Don't get me love sexy laundry, but overall, the sexiest, you know, what, the sexiest thing I could wear is something that I feel good in. Yeah. How are mental health and sex connected? Well, you know, the, the interaction between your mind and body has some, it's, it's so important. Like we, our sexual health is directly tied to, to our mental health because if we are not, if, I mean, they go hand in hand. Like if we're, if we're like depressed or we're feeling anxious or we're not even emotionally aware that's going to impact our sex life. Like one of the biggest killers of our sex drive is anxiety and stress, which usually is linked to depression and other things. So it's really hard to be, to feel sexy when you don't feel that way. So, so I think that really learning to how to prioritize your sexual health and learning how to figure out like how to have a healthy sexual relationship is going to also feed your mental health. Because people don't realize that they think I'm going to take care of all these other things in my life, like my spirituality and my physical health and my finances. But we always like sex is sort of this the, the stepchild of the wellness industry. And and I think it really needs to be brought into it and enveloped because the more we start to accept that we need to also make sure that we are sexually healthy, it, it will impact. And if we, we don't feel great in our bodies, then we might not be putting ourselves out there and having sex and that could make us depressed. So they're inextricably linked. And so I think that the best thing is like, I just think it's being emotionally aware of your sexuality and your mental health, because I think that a lot of times it can tie back. Like if you did a deep dive in your depression or what's worrying you, you might realize it ties back to things in, in, in your body. And when you have an orgasm, when you masturbate, when you have connection with somebody, that actually releases feel-good hormones. And those, those feel-good hormones like oxytocin and dopamine and serotonin, those all help boost our mood, it boosts our immune system. You know, they're feel-good hormones. So that's how I see the connection. Very linked. It's basically more sex, less stress. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> In your opinion, what are the most common insecurities among men? Well, I, it's funny. I always get to ask these gender questions. And first, I want to say the global insecurity for all genders is that we are not lovable, that we won't be loved. And so we're so afraid of rejection that we do everything we can in our power to kind of stop that from happening. But if you want me to break it down by gender, I would say that a common insecurity or a, a common insecurity is, is size, their penis size, and maybe their hair, like balding, and their body, if they're not feeling in shape, just like all genders, if we don't feel good about our bodies, you know, maybe we feel like we've gained some weight or we don't feel in shape. You know, I think that men get insecure about their jobs and their finances. But I'd say penis size is the first. And I want to say, you're not asking me for advice, but I will tell you this, 
that men are way more obsessed with their penis size than women are. And we want the whole package and we're not so concerned with it as men are, but they obsess about it. Sometimes you can feel that sort of the guy's confidence because, you know, some guys are overly confident and you look at them and you don't know why, like, you know, they're not that handsome or nothing (laughs) special about them. And some guys are not. And even though they're very handsome or like good looking, so you can kind of sense it through because some guys give it out. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And I just think it's an inside job. Self-confidence is really about working on ourselves and releasing all the negativity and things that are keeping us from from feeling good. (laughs) I agree. Yeah, absolutely. For those who are struggling to connect right now, what's your best advice? Well, you know, it's a really hard time right now to to really connect, especially during, you know, the pandemic. I mean, there's already been an epidemic of loneliness in our culture. You know, even in the UK, I think they 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 appointed a minister of loneliness to kind of help the you know help the country. And here, I think that we are we really need to make an effort to whether it's like a Zoom or a FaceTime date and to really reach out to people that we miss or that we want to connect with. Making time for for other people for humans, you know, we 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 need touch. There's something called skin hunger. And that's when we don't have touch. And so I think if you can't find something or an animal or a pet or a person that, you know, it's like connected and touch, you can still touch yourself. But to just find ways to 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 bring people into your life however you can. I think that a lot of times we have social anxiety, we have fear. And I think just the more efforts that we make to prioritize what feels good, they do more of that. We actually just started, we just have this new thing. It's gonna be on our website. Um, it's a pleasure planner and it's for, it, it helps people, you can download it, it's free. And it's a guide where you go through and you think, what gives me pleasure? What gives me joy? What makes me feel good? And it kind of helps you map out the year so you can sort of make sure that you're doing those things. Because when we don't have connection to others, it is going to impact our mental health. It's going to impact our physical health. I mean, really, we, we get sick when we don't connect with others. So I think prioritizing connection whatever that means to you, even if it's with yourself. I mean, I think that meditation and journaling and and just not numbing out, I think that a lot of people have been sort of on a downward spiral with like alcohol and drugs and binge watching TV. And even just saying like for an hour today, I'm gonna do something that allows me to feel connected to myself and others makes a huge difference. It's like putting that in the bank. Like if you have a bank of connection, it's like, have I filled that up this week, this month? What have I done? and just making sure that you keep filling that up. I absolutely agree, especially like now I miss that human interaction as far as like, I I love people and I'm always like around people. And now like you don't see anybody unless it's on Zoom or something or just like people that in your bubble, that people that you know, otherwise, you know, you don't go to places as much, especially, well, now in Atlanta, it's kind of free, but in LA and other places, it's like oh, yeah. lockdown. So it's in LA, it's lockdown. We can't do yeah. anything really. Or yeah. you're wearing a mask, so you can't see if people are smiling at you or trying to connect. It's a, it's a really trying time. But I think just being conscious. Like I love that question because it's being conscious of like what's the best way to connect. We can only answer that for ourselves, but typically it has to do with a genuine connection to others. So if you haven't done it lately, you know, 
Yeah, I think we need it. We don't realize the impact it's going to have if we don't do it. But yeah, it's harder here in LA. I had some friends who really wanted to know this question and they had boyfriends and they busted them doing it. So they really wanted to know, is masturbation really feeling like cheating on your partner or is it kind of considerate if you're in a relationship and you're doing it? So what do you think? Well, I think that every couple gets to decide what constitutes cheating. I think that masturbation is part of being sexually healthy, whether you're in a relationship or you're out of a relationship, whether you're single or dating or married. I think it's an important part, again, of our overall sexual health and well-being. But I hear this often from women who are like, I caught my partner masturbating. And I just think that it's it goes back to what I talk about all the time is that we don't have enough understanding of sex and sexuality that, that when we see a partner masturbating we immediately feel rejected we think they want what they saw on in porn and they don't want us and it just makes us feel less than and not lovable and so you know i don't think it's cheating i think it's really healthy but i think that it's really if your friends are feeling that way it's a really great opportunity for the it invites a good opportunity for them to figure out what that means to them. What, what, what is that about? Are they not masturbating? Because maybe if they started masturbating more, they'd understand that it's just part of their well, their overall wellness as well. So if that's the only thing happening in a relationship and your partner is loyal and faithful, but they're masturbating, I think that is, I don't see that as cheating. No, not in my book. Well, I just wanted to know experts' opinion on it. No, so. no I get asked that all the time, every day. No, that is a great question because that is something that comes up all the time and when i was 24 years old i my partner was watching porn and i got really upset and i got really insecure and i was so worried that it meant that he wanted me to look like the women in porn and i don't think i called it cheating but i felt betrayed so that's very similar i felt i didn't because i didn't understand i didn't understand men's bodies and women's bodies and um it took me a long time to, to figure that out so so I complete, it's a, it's a really, I think it's really helpful. And I think that now, and I invite people to like, we write about it a lot on my website, my podcast, but it's a really common question. And I just think it, it harms us more than it helps us to look at that as cheating. So I'm glad you asked. How money plays a role between couples? Because, you know, sometimes it's like the most issue couples have. Deal breaker for so yeah, many people. Mean, like, and that's the most widespread. Yeah. You mean fights over money? Yeah. Money. So I would say that sex and money are really taboo topics and they also really big problems in relationships. I would say two of the biggest. And so I think that just like what I tell people to talk about sex, I think we have to talk about money in a really realistic way. And I always urge couples to start talking about your sex life once you start having sex. And I think it's important to start talking about money. Like, what are your values around money? Do you have debt? You want to ask your partner, like, do you save? Are you a spender? If you feel like you're carrying the burden of it more so, you should say it would be helpful if maybe you chipped in for lunch when we go out and I'll pay for dinners. Um, I, you know, just like kind of really getting honest and clear. It's like we, we, we just leave it a mystery. Or we, if we're dating someone, we assume that they have a lot of money so they'll take care of it. Or maybe we assume they want to because of their gender. But that's not the way the world is anymore, if it ever was. And I think that getting really honest and really vulnerable, it is such a vulnerable topic. It's so 
scary for people to talk about. I think maybe we assume we should have more or less, or our partner should be taking care of us. And it always goes back to the way we were raised. Like how were we raised around money? Were our parents generous? Were they withholding? Did we learn about the value of a dollar of a dollar? And so I just think communication can really help solve a lot of these challenges in a relationship and communication often, right away. Like, cause you're not gonna solve it in one conversation. You're not gonna be like, okay, so I'm gonna pay for this and you pay for that. But you ongoing, because the more we talk about all of these topics that are taboo, the easier it gets. Like things are taboo because we don't talk about them. So the more we make it comfortable and easy, even if it's saying, I know this is uncomfortable. I've never talked about money either, but can we just get real on where we're at right now? Like that's to me is a great opener so you can sort of get in front of the money problem rather than start getting resentful. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And like you said, it is topic that no one really talks about until you actually like start family or start living together. Right. Late. But, sure. Too late to talk about your sex life then, too late to talk about money. I mean, not too late. Like <laughs> you can still do it because most people don't. You have to know that most people do not. But my advice, like people always say, I've been married for 10 years and my partner doesn't like sex. It's like, or they don't want the same kind of sex or they don't want, it's like, well, let's, we could have talked about that 10 years ago before you walk down the aisle, cover all this stuff. So not just, are we going to have kids? What's our religion? But like, talk about everything. Yeah, I agree. The most like common question right now was, you know, our everything being virtual and what do you think of? porn and do you think it ruins society <laughs> well i think that porn has some benefits because you you know i think it's great when couples watch porn together it can be a really fun way to figure out what you both like and what turns you both on but we are seeing what i don't like about porn is that now it's become like for people for kids who grew up with like an ipad in their hand like the digitized generation they grew up and they probably saw porn at a really early age and then they that generation sees porn as sex education and in fact all generations do a lot of people like that's the only sex they see and sex is not a blueprint on how to have sex it's not an accurate representation of sex it's not even real it's scripted you know they have the actors have lines they know what they're going to do but but the problem is since we don't have sex education people think well where else can i go so that's why i think it's really a problem as long as we could people understand what they're watching that it's purely created for men by men by the male gaze for their entertainment and their enjoyment so that's where i think it becomes a problem and also it becomes a problem if we excessively watch porn and then we can no longer connect with a human i agree i think some people just overdo it and they just don't know how to connect with people real people just just know how to do it on the internet that's why it's just like sometimes it can be problematic yeah absolutely and also do you know what are the reasons to do kegels oh i i love this question because kegel exercises are your it's when you're exercising your pelvic floor muscles and those muscles just like every other muscle is going to weaken over time and your pelvic floor muscles is sort of like a hammock that you know is responsible for your bladder but also for your orgasm so the, you know one reason which is like the most popular is the more you do your kegels you'll strengthen them and you can have stronger orgasms and men can do them as well they're not just for women 
and it also helps if you have children, you know, after you have childbirth, after after going through childbirth, or just as you get older, they can over time you start to like sneeze and pee and they loosen. So it's just it's just part of exercising ever exercising every other muscle in your body. It's important to also prioritize your kegel exercises. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, I mean, you can do them anywhere, anytime. Basically, it's just but yeah, anytime right now. Yeah, right now people can do them. It's like yeah. whenever I say it, people are like, I'm doing it now. I'm like, Great. yeah. You know the health benefits they provide, they're just amazing. Yes, I'm glad you think so. They are, they do. And then also the other thing I like about it that is it gets women, especially to, to really and men, but just if even just the practice of doing them for a few minutes a day, it's a it's it's that time that you're really connecting to yourself. You're connecting to your sexuality. So it's also a great reminder just to connect and feel wow. to mind body. That. Yeah. Yeah. And also another question my listeners wanted to ask you, what do you think of anal and why guys are always wanted? <laughs> anal is another thing that falls under the sex and then the taboo umbrella. I think that there's a lot of reasons like we think that the anus is just for exiting or it's something different. It's variety. And so I think that's why guy and they see it in porn. And so, I mean, 20 years ago, before we started seeing porn everywhere, it wasn't as common of, of, a, um, of a request from heter in heterosexual couples. But I think that with porn, it just is seen as taboo. But the truth is, it, like, anal sex can feel really good for women, too. Um, but typically how, without the sex education, I'll see going back to that, they don't, men typically don't do it correctly. They'll just stick it in quickly. They won't use lubricant. You're not warmed up. And so I think it gets a really bad rap for a lot of women, but women can enjoy it if they learn to relax and they want to consensually. But I think mostly it has to do with it's the other, like it's taboo. We shouldn't do it, so let's do it. I think that's 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 where it comes from. But it can only be dangerous if you do it incorrectly without warm up, without lubricant. I'm a huge fan of lube, like use lube every sex act. It doesn't mean that you have a problem or that you're too dry. It just means that you're being smart because because we don't always get wet when we want to. Um, it doesn't mean we don't always stay wet and our anus is not self gonna lubricate on its own. So you have to use lube, you have to go slow, you have to be consensual, start with a finger, but that it's dangerous when you do it incorrectly without consent and yeah. Yeah, but I think it just like has bad rap, like you said it. And for guys, it's like mostly like feels like forbidden fruit. That's why exactly. they always ask for it. <laughs> exactly. That's it. What are your best tips for a happy relationship? Hmm. I would say um, the first thing is communication. Communication is a lubrication. And it's not just talking about sex, which is important, but talking about everything, being real, being vulnerable and checking in with each other often and um, just making sure that you keep that, you know, keep the lines of communication going. I'm gonna say as a sex educator that prioritizing sex, making sure that it's something that you decide that you're on the same page, that you're always exploring because what happens is couples often, it's really great at the beginning of a relationship and they don't, they, they, they think it's always going to stay that way, but nothing stays the same. Things always change. So I think it's important to continue to be sexually intimate and healthy. It doesn't even have to be sex. It could just be intimacy, like holding hands and touching. And, and I think that couples who, um, so I would say communication, prioritizing pleasure, 
And those are some tips for happy couples. And I think also being kind to each other and listening, listening and not trying to solve everyone's problems, but just trying to listen and be supportive and to try new things together because variety is also important. Just like anything, sex sometimes gets old because we're not trying new things. So I think that just having variety in your relationship and freedom, giving each other space to be yourselves, some of my best tips for for a happy relationship. Yeah. Great. Thank you. And have you ever had any really hard cases like what are who are your most clients are um i would say that i don't i've been doing it for 15 years so i don't think that anything is really hard anymore but i think that the hardest thing for a couple what's really hard is is couples who have never learned how to communicate and so there's a lot of like passive aggressive behavior that eventually over time becomes resentment and becomes what's the word oh contempt so when couples get to a space of contempt like not just resent resentments like i resent that you didn't help around the house and i resent that you didn't take up do the laundry but when that comes to contempt like it turns the corner to like disgust and i don't want you to see you in my face like it jumps to that point it's really hard to bring people back and so I think that there's not like one crazy case that is out there, but I think it's more like when couples get to me and they got to the point where they're at a standstill and they just had like it's been years and they just things just kept going burying and it gets built all the issues build up over time. It's like and then they're fighting about something that someone said or someone coming home late, but it's never about that because there's all these years of build up of unresolved resentment. So that's really hard to untangle when people get to the point of contempt. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah, because people get like sometimes, you know, they get disgusted of each other over little stuff that someone yes. hasn't done. Exactly. And <laughs> they think trash out. Yeah, it's really hard. <laughs> like it's really hard. That's why communication. I'll go back to that. And what services do you provide and where can our listeners find you? Well, most of, I'm not seeing people one-on-one, but people can go to my website. It's sexwithemily.com. People can email me their questions. It's feedback at sexwithemily.com. I have a podcast I release twice a week. They can subscribe on all the platforms, social media, Sex with Emily. So that's the best place to find me and see if I can answer your question and help you take the next step. Great. Thank you so much, Emily. It was thank my pleasure. Yeah, my pleasure too. So nice to meet you. That was all for today, guys. I hope you really enjoyed this episode as much as I did. Not Basic Blonde podcast is available on all the major platforms with new episodes every Tuesday and Thursday. To support the show, tag NBB Podcast on your Instagram stories and check out more behind the scenes on Instagram as well at notbasicblonde underscore or NBB Podcast. And if you haven't, Subscribe, rate, and review Not Basic Blonde Podcast on Apple Podcasts. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great day. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. 
Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.